0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey all, been a little while since we chatted. Sal Capaccio here. Thanks for downloading or just listening, however you do that. I always wonder how to say that. Like, are you downloading the podcast? Are you just listening, pressing play on your app? Whatever it is, I really don't know. So however you found me, however you decided to listen here, I appreciate it. It's Groundhog Day. That's when I'm doing this, but... I don't think Groundhog Day really matters in 2021. We've basically been living the exact same day for about 11 months now, which is pretty wild. So hopefully everybody's doing okay. And we got through a whole football season. It's pretty amazing. Got the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Chiefs, Buccaneers, Bills got not one game away, three quarters away. I mean, the Bills were 45 minutes away from getting to the Super Bowl. Now, they didn't play very well in those other 45 minutes. Uh, so it wasn't like they lost by a touchdown or a field goal. We know that. But, you know, they weren't good enough to beat the Chiefs. And I've said a lot about that on WGR, on the radio, uh, written about it, WGR550.com, our website, you know, tweets at Sal Sports. And I know that you find me all those places. So, you know, we don't need to rehash all of that that went down. I'll just say this. My, my parting words for the 2020 season as we turn the page and look towards 2021, which is why I'm doing this today. You know, the Bills are in a good spot. And I've said for a long time that the 2021 bills, I'm sorry, the 2020 bills reminded me a lot of the 88 bills. A lot of you might not remember that team, but, you know, uh, Kelly came in 86 from the USFL. They drafted Thurman in 88. They already had Bruce and Daryl and Andre Reed and those guys. But, you know, they were young and nobody really knew what to expect. But we could see that they were building towards something. And suddenly in 88, they just burst on the scene. They were scoring a bunch of points. And, you know, they, they made it all the way to the AFC championship game. It was like, holy cow. They lost to the Cincinnati Bengals. Got the, Had to play that game on the road because of a missed field goal by Chip Miller of the Washington football team in the last regular season week against Cincy. otherwise that game would have been in Buffalo. Maybe the Bills go to the Super Bowl in 88, but they don't. They wind up going to the AFC Championship game, losing to the Bengals, but you know that team, just what they were building and what we saw on the field and off the field, GM, Bill Polian, uh, assistant GM and John Butler, head coach Marv Levy, the staff they assembled just really reminds me of the way this organization is structured and built and their philosophies and the talent they have. So I think there's a lot of really good things to look forward to with the Buffalo Bills coming up in the next many years. This to me is not an ending what happened in Kansas City a couple of weeks ago. Uh, this is a beginning to what's going to be a really nice run for this team, but there's a lot of questions that have to be answered. And as Sean McDermott said, rightfully so. And I, loved, I love what McDermott said in his postseason press conference, end-of-season press conference on Zoom. I really love how he said that, you know, if you think you're just this close, and he put his fingers together, right, his thumb and his forefinger, you think you're this close, you'll, you won't get back. You have to start over again. You're not that close. You have to redo the whole thing. It's a new year. And that's right. You can't have that attitude. So I, I'm looking forward to an offseason where I think the Bills, you know, it's funny, we look at the roster and, People say, oh, my God, they have this hole or that hole. <laughs> they don't have a lot of holes. Yeah, do they have to get better? Sure. There's still a gap between that and the Chiefs. There's no doubt about that. But they do not have a ton of holes to, to have to fill. So, you know, what we're going to do here over the next little while is talk about some of those holes. Talk about how they can bridge the gap between them and the Chiefs. Talk about how they can maintain, you know, being the best team in the division, going after the AFC East again. And that's what Brandon Bean talked about, too, which is, hey, yeah, we have to catch the Chiefs. We want to think about that, but we don't want to lose sight of what our main goal is, and that is winning the division and beating out the Dolphins and the Patriots and the Jets. And here's the thing. Those other teams are all chasing the Bills. As much as people want to talk about the Bills having to chase the Chiefs, which is right, those other teams are chasing the Bills. They're going to try and close that gap. The Bills are the second best team in the AFC. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They put that to rest in the playoffs by beating the Ravens the way they did, holding them to three points. But there's a gap. Chiefs, then Bills, but they are the second best team. And teams are going to be out to try and beat them. And they have to catch number one. Uh, The way they do that is to try and get the number one seed next year. To get home field. To have the Chiefs come to your place when it comes time for a playoff game and the AFC championship game. Maybe get the bye. Only one team gets it. You know, Brandon Bean said that's the goal. That's what they talked with their players about in their exit interviews, which is their goal is to host the AFC championship game. So this team isn't going away anytime soon. Um, They're good. They're going to be here a while. They have some holes they have to fill. But it's funny when I get some of the replies I get on Twitter looking at the roster, I think there's such a knee-jerk reaction to the way and the manner in which they lost to the Chiefs that people think there's all these things they have to fix and correct and overhaul. They don't. They have to add. They have to change. But the gap between the Chiefs and the Bills, I don't think, was as much as what it looked like on that Sunday in Kansas City. I don't think the Bills played their A game at all. Give the Chiefs credit for that, too, of course. I also think the Chiefs played a lot better than I had seen them play the last, you know, seven, eight weeks after watching and going back and re-watching them on film and things like that. So that's the 2020 season we're going to close the book on. We do have one game left, which is the Super Bowl. I go back and forth. I think the Chiefs are going to win. Uh, I just don't think the Buccaneers offense can keep up with them, but you know, the Bucks have a good defense and they have Tom Brady and you just can't ever count that guy out, right? I mean, he's Tom Brady. As much as we don't want to hear that in Buffalo or you hate thinking about that, I, I still think the Chiefs will outscore them, but I think it, it should be a good game. And I think most Bills fans are rooting for the Chiefs because they don't want to see Brady win another one. I guess I'm fine with it since he's not with the Patriots, but I get that sentiment. You know, uh, I think it is kind of, Crazy and weird and odd or whatever. Maybe not so much. I don't know. It's been 55 years now, but a team is playing the Super Bowl in their home stadium. But it's crazy that it happens when in a year there's really hardly any fans. You know, whatever, 25,000, however it's many it's going to be. And they're not going to be all Buccaneers fans, obviously. And there's first responders and there's corporate and whatever. But that's going to happen for the first time. So I think I'll take the Chiefs. But I think it's going to be a close game. I could see it going either way. Now we look towards 2021 and... The reason I'm doing this podcast now is because I'm doing something a little different this year. I have for the last couple of years, at least last year, and I think the year before done my state of the bills series right around now after the season, which is funny because last year I started it on January 12th. I went back and looked the first state of the bills article I did last year was on January 12th, which just goes to show you how soon and how quickly the season ended. Not the case now. Uh, the first one I did this year was just this past week. And it was on, what, January, or I'm sorry, February 1st. Amazing. February 1st. Quarterbacks. So what I do is I look at each position of the Buffalo Bills and I write an article on it at our website, WGR550.com. State of the Bills. And I go through who's under contract, who's going to be a free agent, and my thoughts on what they need to do. So you can find that at WGR550.com. The first one was quarterbacks. I've done two now, quarterbacks and running backs over a couple of days here. And I'm just going to try and supplement as I have not done this before. This is what I'm going to do new this year, which is try and supplement these articles with a podcast like this. To go over what I wrote but also add some more thoughts because, you know, I don't want to write continue write, you know, write novels <laughs> on these articles. I want you to be, you know, have clear and concise reading. So I'm going to supplement a lot of this with a podcast, and you know maybe I'll have some people come aboard or whatever, but it's just you and me right now talking, and you listening and me talking, so I appreciate that a lot. And the first one I did was quarterbacks this year. So let's talk about the situation right now at quarterback, because there really are only two situations we have to consider. Number one, whether or not the Bills should pay Josh Allen this offseason, or wait. And number two, what to do about the backup. So let's start with Allen. I think the Bills are going to give Josh Allen an extension this offseason. I say that because Brandon Bean was on WGR last week, and he told Howard and Jeremy that he does believe they can fit it in and they can make it work this offseason, despite the salary cap constraints with the um, you know COVID and the, the revenue shortfall and things like that. We also know there were rumblings before the end of the season that they might try to get it done this offseason. And we also would think that Josh Allen side would love to do that. He just had an MVP type of season. So it would all make sense. There is a school of thought that the Bills should wait. A, because they could get him, still keep him on a rookie deal for another year. Now, granted, they could do that, have the extension kick in later, but you get the thought. But B, maybe because you want to make sure he doesn't regress. And, and I get those positions. But first of all, as far as waiting another year and the financials of it, A, I think there's a much, much less chance that he regresses now knowing that Brian Dable is coming back than if they would have had maybe another offensive coordinator. If Dable takes the, you know, Chargers job, if he gets an offer and he takes it, and they have to go with a new offensive coordinator, I think then we're talking about, okay, is Josh Allen the same quarterback? Can he do the same things? Can he have the same type of season? Well, that's not happening. They're going to have the continuity they had last year. They're going to have Dable back as OC, Ken Dorsey as QB's coach as of right now, unless something happens, you know, after I talk to you and record this, but it looks like that's going to be the case. So Allen, to me, can only go up. He can only build on. At the very worst, he would probably have the same season, which is great. (laughs) Well, I'll take that. So yeah, pay him. I mean, he's your guy. How long you want to wait to say, does he regress? I mean, after a while, you have to pay the guy. And I think if he can get even better, that's pretty remarkable and amazing. But sure, I mean, with Stefan Diggs here and a whole offseason of working with him again, you know, who knows what that's going to hold. And Brian Dable at OC and Ken Dorsey at quarterbacks coach, you know, the the entire coaching staff, it looks like, you know, in place still, who knows if there's gonna be a change at any other position. But I think Josh can really only go up, not down. So I think that's out of the equation. You, you don't wait because you're, you're wondering. And the other part of that is, I just don't think it's good business. You know, when you have the guy, and you identify him as the guy. Now, you might have, you listening to this might say, is he really the guy? But I can tell you this, the Bills feel he is, and he's 24 years old. And when you have the guy that you think is your franchise quarterback, and the Bills do, and he's only 24 years old, and you know you're going to have to pay him at some point, and then everybody in the locker room loves him and respects him. And everybody in the organization seems to love and respect him. And his teammates think he's a great leader. You pay him. You don't want the situation to get messy, especially if Allen's side wants to get paid. You don't want Josh Allen's side to go and say, hey, we want to get paid. And you say, well, let's wait. And then you're like, you're going back and forth. You know, it's, it's like what is going on in Dallas with Dak Prescott. It just, it's always drama. It's always drama about his contract and how they're going to do it and what they're going to do. And it looks like they're always looking for something new and something different and it doesn't work. It's messy. He's the franchise quarterback. Is there a risk? Of course there is. You just, I don't think it's good business. You don't do it. And I don't think the bills will do that. I think Brandon Bean knows this is our guy. He's 24 years old. I can get this done now, structure it in a way where we can maybe take a softer cap hit over the first couple of years uh, while we're dealing with the you know cap situation. Like, like the chiefs did and the chiefs didn't know they would have the cap situation, you know, that we're going to be in because of COVID, but that's what they did with Patrick Mahomes, 10 year contract. I'm not advocating that necessarily for Allen, but because it was 10 years and you know, Mahomes didn't take extreme top dollar, which he could have. They were still able to, they were able to spread a lot of that over time. And I think that's the approach that Brandon Bean's going to want to take here with Josh to a lock him up. Everybody knows you're rewarding the play and you're basically making sure that you can, keep some flexibility around the roster financially over the next few years. Especially because the other part of this is if you do wait, he does take a step. Now, what are we talking even more expensive, right? So I just think all signs point to them signing him to an extension and that they should sign him to an extension this offseason. It doesn't have to be before May 3rd, which is the option to pick up the fifth year option deadline, which is the deadline, excuse me, to pick up the fifth year option. So the bill's, have Josh Allen under control, under contract for another year, his rookie deal. They will, I'm sure, pick up the fifth-year option to have him under control for another year after this, in 2022, before the May 3rd or by the May 3rd deadline. Now, if they work out an extension before then, great. He can't sign an extension, by the way, until the new league year opens. It's um, March 16th is the first day of free agency. That's when the new league year opens at 4 p.m. It is a rule that says a drafted player cannot sign an extension until basically the next league year following his third season in the league. So that would be for Allen starting March 16th. So between March 16th and May 3rd, if they work out an extension, fine, go forward. If not, then I'm sure they'll exercise their fifth year option on him by May 3rd. And then they can still have plenty of months to still work out an extension and maybe not worry about the fifth year option. It's what they did with Tredavious White, by the way. And they the crazy part about the white extension was they got it done before his fourth year. They had already exercised the fifth year option. They're going to keep both those in place and the extension on top of that, which keeps white in place for another five years. So, you know, they really got creative with that to be able to keep a really good player for a, a good price and term length, which is great. So I think that's what we're going to look at, you know, when it comes to Allen, the other part about, you know, quarterbacks here and, this is wild. I was doing some research on quarterbacks and what's happened over the last, since, since really the fifth-year option came about, since the rule came about, since the new CBA in 2011, not the one we're under now, it was just signed last year, but the one that kind of changed the game, if you will. Like a lot of new rules financially and things like that in 2011. A couple of interesting nuggets for you that I found. Since 2011, there's been 10 drafts. 2011 through, two, through 2020, 10 years. What do we say about quarterbacks? When you draft one in the first round, you're hoping you get the guy for a decade. You're hoping you have nothing to worry about for 10 years. He's your franchise guy, 10 years, right? All right, we've had exactly 10 years since 2011. And believe it or not, there's been exactly 32 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. 32 teams, 32 quarterbacks. Now, not every team has drafted a quarterback. In fact, the Browns have drafted three in the first round. That's the most. The Bills have drafted two. Allen and, of course, E.J. Manuel back in 2013. The Bills, the Dolphins, the Titans, the Jaguars, Washington, the Vikings, and the Cardinals have all drafted two. A bunch of teams, seven of them, I believe it is, let me count here, have drafted none in the first round in the last 10 years. The Patriots, the Steelers, the Raiders, the Cowboys, the Lions, the Falcons, the Saints, the 49ers, and the Seahawks, nine of them. Nine teams did not draft, have not drafted a quarterback in the first round in the last 10 years, they all have guys they drafted at other rounds or are still trying to find their way or whatever, pick them up in trades or however that may be. I mean, obviously Pittsburgh has Roethlisberger. They drafted, but that was back in Oh four, for example. And, you know, Seattle has Russell Wilson, but he wasn't a first round pick back in 2012. But what's crazy is out of the 32 who've been drafted, there have only been remarkably enough only three that are now playing with the current team that drafted them on a contract that's not their rookie contract. So what I'm saying is there's 12 out of the 32 are still on their rookie deal in some way, shape, or form. So you just, okay, they're on the rookie deal, whatever. You put them off in a bucket. That leaves 20 remaining. Out of the other 20, only three of them actually sign an extension and are still with that team they signed an extension with that drafted them. You want to know the three? Patrick Mahomes who signed the extension last year. Deshaun Watson who signed who signed the extension last year and maybe he gets moved. And Carson Wentz who who knows what's going on with that in Philadelphia. Everybody else basically is either out of the league or on another team. And I'm counting here by the way uh Josh Rosen and Dwayne Haskins who, you know, they're they're actually part of the 12. They're part of the 12 that don't even count for this because they wouldn't even be eligible to have a contract extension, but yet they've already moved on from their teams, obviously. The 17 who are eligible or have been eligible since 2011, drafted in the first round, but not on an extension with their drafted teams because either they're out of the league or with someone else. Mitch Trubisky, who's going to be a free agent, never signed the extension with Chicago. Jared Goff, who just got traded. Paxton Lynch, who's out of the league. Jameis Winston, who's on another team, Marcus Mariota, who's on another team, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, EJ Manuel, Andrew Lucker retired, RG3, Ryan Tannehill, who had a resurrection with another team, Brandon Whedon, Cam Newton, who's on the Patriots, obviously, after so many years with the Panthers, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, and Christian Ponder. That's the list. Pretty remarkable. So when you find your guy and you sign him to extension, there is a risk. You hope it works out, but I I think there's also a lot to be kind of learned from the fact that teams have, but they still moved on from guys like, you know, Goff, like they might with Wentz. There's a risk there. There's financial implications there. But if you got your guy, you got your guy and you sign him. And you don't worry about it until you have to worry about it, I guess. So here's the other issue with backup, with quarterback, and it's the backup. What do the Bills do about backup quarterback? Because they have Matt Barkley, who's going to be a free agent, they have Davis Webb, who is under contract, and Jake Fromm, who is under contract. So Barkley, who's been the backup, obviously, for the last two years for, with Allen. Remember, he was here with Derek Anderson at the same time a couple of years ago. Then, you know, Anderson retired. Barkley comes back. He, you know, he had resigned. He'd already signed a two-year deal at the right towards the end of the uh, 2018 season. That's up. But Matt Barkley, you know, he's been, there's a, there's a double-edged sword with Barkley. Here's a guy who has done exactly what you've wanted a backup quarterback to do. You know, be really good soldier, know his role, be a good veteran leader for everybody else, uh, understand the playbook, come and do your job every single day, never make any waves. You're not going to have to pay him a ton of money. He made, way like $2 million last year, I believe it is. And that's great, and that's exactly what the Bills want out of the backup quarterback spot, or at least wanted, I should say, as Josh Allen's gone through his development his first three years in the league. I mean, he didn't have that his rookie year. You know, Josh, he had Nathan Peterman with him, basically. They, I think they screwed all that up, so they, they realized the value of having that veteran, which is why Anderson came in, and then why Barkley came in, and then they kept Barkley. But the fact also is that Matt Barkley's played only seven games in a Bills uniform, and in those seven games, he actually has, what is it, four, four interceptions and three touchdown passes completed less than 55% of his passes in those games. I mean that's not a great stat line. That's not something that you necessarily want to bank your backup quarterback on and say hey, if our starter gets hurt, if our starter gets injured, you know, we have a guy that's going to come in, and he's going to be able to win you know, 2 out of 4 games, 3 out of 4 games. I think because of the Bills roster, they could still do that with Matt Barkley. But that's not that's not overwhelming and that's not something that makes you go, "Oh yeah, get this guy back." The case to be made for re-signing Matt Barkley is everything else I just said, not the play on the field. The play on the field has been fine. It hasn't been really good. 55% less than that. Three touchdowns, four interceptions, and seven games. He came in in that game against the Patriots when Allen got hurt, drove him down the field, and then they couldn't score. He came in, he's played. You know, the thing Barkley has done for this team is he's played now two week 17 games. One, he played almost a whole game, and one, he played a half this year where he got them through when they needed to, you know, rest Allen and get ready for the playoffs, which has been great. And again, that goes back to the intangible stuff that you want your backup quarterback to be able to do. So there are two cases here for Barkley, one on each side to either retain him or not retain him. The other part, and this goes to Barkley is how much room is there? Because the thing about, you know, a veteran backup is you don't really need one When Josh Allen gets through his third season in the league, about to be fourth season in the league, and maybe sign an extension, Josh Allen doesn't need a veteran quarterback necessarily around him anymore. And if you do want to go that route, you do have Davis Webb on the roster who they signed a contract with. He signed a futures reserve deal. Now, what's interesting about Webb is he's actually a former third-round pick not too long ago. But he's never thrown a pass. He's never even played a snap, never played a snap, never, never been active for an NFL game, which is... Kind of amazing, actually, for a third-round pick from just a few years ago. He's been on three different teams, the Giants, the Jets, and the Bills now. But the thing about Webb is he's kind of just like what I just described with Barkley. This is a guy that a lot of people think is, is going to be a coach someday. He's like a coach on the field. He's like a coach off the field, in the rooms, and things like that. And he's even the guy that helped this help the guys, the skill position players, He organized, helped organize. Maybe he put the whole thing together, I guess. When they were down in Florida, um, you know, doing their whole, all their workouts during COVID. He organized it. He ran it. He was like a coach on the field. That's the kind of guy you want on your team. And he signed a future reserve deal, which means it's most likely a one-year league minimum deal. That's what most future reserve deals are. So you could just basically plop in Webb for Barkley if you want. But then you have Jake Fromm as well. And Jake Fromm, obviously, was drafted last year by the Bills. And, you know, he was never a threat to take over Josh Allen's starting role. But a lot of people really liked him coming out of college. And then other people said, come on, really? Come to Buffalo where you can have the wind." He doesn't have a strong enough arm. You know, what are they doing? Obviously, the Bills liked him for a reason enough to whatever reason and liked him enough to draft him. So he's been here. But he had the most amazingly unique season. The guy never practiced with the team. Not because of injury, but because he was the emergency COVID quarterback. Jake Fromm never practiced with the Buffalo Bills. All he did was basically stay away from the team and then practice separately with like some practice squad guys, throwing some routes and things like that. Never did seven on seven. Was never with the team. It was basically in case they needed someone in case the quarterback room got COVID. Like, Remember what happened with the Broncos? They didn't have a Jake Fromm on their team. They had to use a practice squad wide receiver. The Bills were proactive from week one. They started doing this. So we have no idea what Jake Fromm offers as an NFL player because he's never played in an NFL game regular season or preseason because there was no preseason last year. We only got to see him a little bit at training camp, and even that wasn't much. I mean, I saw him throw some passes before they did all that, but not never in an actual like NFL practice once the regular season started. So I couldn't tell you really what Jake Fromm brings. And I don't even know if anybody down at One Bill's Drive could tell you because he hasn't practiced against real NFL people in a real NFL setting at all. So now you have kind of like the the decision here. Do you keep Webb and Fromm as your backups and say, that's it, that's all we need? Because they're going to be coming back anyway. They're under contract. Do you just keep them and say, that's all we need? They have zero snaps, zero NFL snaps between them. And if something were to happen to Josh Allen, you know, then you're really kind of hoping against hope they're going to be okay, whoever it is. Or do you bring back a guy like Barkley or someone else like Barkley who does have veteran NFL playing experience? Whether you like Mac Barkley or not, that's the question. Now, there is one other little wrinkle in here, and that is we don't know what COVID will hold. We don't know what the season's going to look like, roster and all those kinds of things. So they may just want to go with the same kind of model they had last year, which is four quarterbacks. Normally, the Bills would not keep four quarterbacks. They did this year, counting Davis Webb, who was on the practice squad, by the way. They might do that again. But then you're going to have to go re-sign Matt Barkley or someone else. So I think this is a super interesting, you know, thing to watch this offseason, the Bills and the backup quarterback position, along with what they're going to do with Josh Allen. All right, so we got through quarterbacks. You can go read my article at WGR550.com about the quarterbacks. And speaking of quarterbacks, just want to touch on the Deshaun Watson stuff and the Jared Goff trade for Matt Stafford before I end up here. First on Watson. I'm actually, I guess, in more of a minority than a lot of people. I, as I sit right here right now, I think there's less of a chance Watson gets traded than he actually does. I think it's less than 50-50 that Deshaun Watson gets traded. I, I know that, I know what he said. I know all the saber-rattling that's been going on. But he is under contract, a long-term contract. They just gave him a lot of money. And he's really, really good. And the Texans do not want to trade him. And they've made that clear. And they don't have to trade him. I mean, they could literally just let him sit out the whole year. It could be like Le'Veon Bell with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know it's a different position and all of that. And I know they can get a haul for that him if they trade him. Andrew Brandt. If, I don't know if you follow Andrew Brandt on Twitter. I recommend him if you don't. Andrew Brandt's great business of sports. He's been in the Packers front office. He, you know, he deals with agents. He might've even been an agent, whatever, but you know, he, he negotiated a lot of contracts and things like that. He has also shared the same sentiment that I have. And he says, I'm in a minority. He says, but the Texans aren't stupid. Now we can make the argument. They are stupid for a lot of the things they have done in the past. And I don't think it's a very nice situation right now in Houston. I think the organization's a mess. There's no doubt. I'm not arguing that at all, but they don't have to trade Deshaun Watson. And right now, I don't see them trading Deshaun Watson. The other part of this is they have a, it, for anybody who says, oh, Jets and Dolphins and look at the draft picks they can get. Well, that only goes until April, until the end of April. Once the draft is done, the Jets and the Dolphins basically become like everybody else. So unless their plan is to trade them in the next two months, right? Would that be two months? February, March, Okay, three months, right? I mean, which I don't see because I think they want to repair the relationship. And as long as they get through the draft, they don't there's no there's no deadline that they have to do it if they want to. They could still do it before the season. But I think they're gonna give it as much time as possible, especially with new head coach David Culley, to try and repair the relationship. Whether they can or not, I don't know. But if they want like maximum return from a team like the Jets to the Dolphins picking really high, well, they'd have to do that, you know, basically before the draft. Now, you could trade with teams that, you know, draft players afterwards. They can draft and trade you the rights to those players. I get all that. But then they would still have May and June and July and August, basically four more months to try and repair the relationship. And 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 I at this point, I don't see them trading Deshaun Watson. And I certainly don't see them trading him before the draft because it just seems like they're going to do everything they can to fix a relationship, and that can't necessarily happen within the next three months. Now, as far as... Goff and Wentz, I'm sorry, um, Goff and Stafford, Wentz is a whole different issue, but Goff and Stafford, you know, I think Goff, the, the league has realized and the Rams have realized his own team, he's been a creation of Sean McVay and the league has kind of figured out all that pre-snap talking in the helmet stuff, stand at the line of scrimmage, getting the answers to the test. They kind of figured that out. They figured that out like a year and a half ago. You I mean, go look at his numbers, really, over the last couple of years, they've really kind of steadily decreased and flatlined. And it's apparent Sean McVay and everybody, this is obvious now, It's they traded him, they said, we can only go so far with this guy. We have to upgrade. And that's what they did. And I think they did upgrade to Matthew Stafford. The question is, how much did they up, upgrade? Because, you know, Matt Stafford, to me, has a ton of talent. But I'm not so sure that he just comes in and, automatically makes them the favorite you know, in the NFC. I really like what the Rams have done. See, here's the thing about what the Rams did. And when I say I really like what they've done, I like the fact that they're going for it. I, I, don't, I think they gave up a lot and probably too much, but it's understandable. The NFC is kind of wide open still. We don't know who the Buccaneers are next year. with Brady. Does, does Brady win and ride off into the sunset? We don't know about Drew Brees and the Saints. And look what happened with the Seahawks towards the end of the year. You know, the Rams are good. They have an excellent defense and they have weapons. Their window to win the Super Bowl is the next few years. That's what they're trying to do. So go for it, man. I, I applaud teams that do that. That's what they feel they need to do: upgrade, get rid of the contract of Golf, get a better, more friendly contract with Stafford, a talented guy who can work with McVay. Boom, go go for it. I think that's awesome when teams do that. But they did give up a lot, and for the Lions, I actually, really love what they did here. Even though I think Dan Campbell is going to be—he's going to be a disaster—and I think the organization that is, you know, basically still trying to find its way and stuck back in old school bang your head against the wall and eat kneecaps football. I mean, come on. That press conference was ridiculous. Chris Spielman, smart guy, but, you know, he's as old school as you get. Helping to run that franchise now. And Dan Campbell, I mean, might as well just put this guy back in the 1950s and, or even before that, leather helmets. That's the kind of, you know, football this guy screams. But they gave him a six-year deal. And by giving a coach a six-year deal, you're basically saying you have time. And that's why it was okay for them to get two first-round picks that aren't even in this year's draft, 2022-2023. And, and they take on the contract of Goff, and that's part of the reason they paid so much, by the way. They had to take on the contract. But let's remember, they just hired their general manager who came from the Rams. He has a history with him, with Goff, was there when they developed him and scouted him. And they also, by the way, now will have more draft picks in a couple years, if they do want to kind of speed up the process. They'll have two draft picks, two first rounders in 2022, two in 2023, Uh, a third rounder coming, what, this year, right, is that one. But then, even though they have to have golf this year, essentially, with the contract, they can also evaluate after this year and then say, you know what, he's not the guy, and get out for not that much cost. It'll cost a little bit after next year, but then after two years, they can do it for free. So I like what the lions did because the lions aren't winning anytime soon. And I like when teams know who they are. So that's why I like this trade for both teams really in essence, because not because of you know the assets, not because of what they got. I like the thinking of the trade for both teams because they both knew who they were. They both know who they are. The Rams know who they are. They're going for a super bowl. Now the lions know who they are. They're not winning now. So they're going to try and basically get as much as they can for the next couple of years. And then boom, go forward. We'll see what happens with Watson. We'll see what happens with Wentz. That's a different situation altogether. I watched the Nick Sirianni press conference. Um, Nick is a Jamestown native. His brother Jay is a friend of mine. He is the Section 6 football co-chair here in Western New York. Great family, great Western New York family. Uh, His brother Jay and their dad were both the head coach of Southwestern High School uh, down in the Jamestown area in really great football tradition down there. They've done a great job. J.U. Colcrick. Was also a head coach down there recently. He was the former Connolly Cup award winner. Uh, went on to Michigan State, running back. Played a little bit with the Bills. So really good football tradition down there. Good football family. But he was definitely nervous in his opening press conference, and he wouldn't commit one way or the other. You know, to Carson Wentz. But you know, just add him to the list of people who want to give examples of well, you pay that guy too early, and look what happens. Wentz, Golf, and you know, you hope the Bills aren't in that situation. But I think Josh Allen's given enough evidence right now that he's going to be a franchise quarterback, and especially by keeping Brian Dable in the fold to circle us back to how we started this thing. All right, so we talked quarterbacks. I didn't get to the running backs piece. I'll do another podcast, like, tomorrow, and we'll do the running backs, and I'll go over that, and I'll supplement it. So hopefully you're checking out the articles, wgr550.com. Check out the um, State of the Bills quarterbacks. I posted the running backs. Got a lot to say on running backs. Next time I talk to you, I'll do that. This has been fun. I'm going to try and do this for every position. So make sure you download, you subscribe. And by the way, I have no idea. Uh, somebody, A friend of mine started a, a golf podcast and he tells me, I'm already featured on iTunes. I'm like, dude, I've been doing this podcast for like four years. I've never been featured. How the hell do I get featured on iTunes? I have no idea. I mean, it's we do it through radio.com. I upload it through our website. Maybe that has something to do with it. It's not like independent. I'm not really sure. But whatever you can do to help by adding comments and liking it and all that kind of stuff, go do it. Because then I can get featured and we can talk and do more of this stuff. And, yeah, I'll feel cool about it, too. So thanks a lot for listening. I'll talk running backs next time we talk on the South Sports and Stuff podcast. We're doing the State of the Bills 2021. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what?